Well, sounds good. Take your sticking paws off me, you damn dirty ape! Special Agent Polk, FBI. Have a chair. You want a drink or something? No. We want to talk to you about Henry Gondor. Yeah, I don't think I know. Well, give yourself a couple of seconds. You wouldn't want to lie to me. Lieutenant Snyder here says you've done a lot of confidence work in his town. Oh, yeah? Lieutenant Snyder doesn't know shit. He ain't got nothing on me. Yeah? How about counterfeiting? We've got a tip that Gondorf is going to run a con on the south side here. All you've got to do is tell us when he's going to play his chump. We come in at the sting, make the pinch, and you walk out free as a bird. No. You want to spend the next 20 years in a federal penitentiary starting tonight? I'll make parole. Like hell. You won't even get a review. I'll chance it. Okay. That's the way you want it. We might even provide you with a little company on your way up the river. That wife of Luther Coleman, Snyder. What was her name? Alva. Alva. That's it. Alva Coleman. Pretty fair grifter in her time. Snyder's given us quite a fold around her. Nothing major by itself, but... Uh, Put them all together, it could add up to a lot of years. You stink, mister. Don't be a sap. It's not her I want. If you're too dumb to save yourself, there's no sense dragging her down with you. It's over, Hooker. You can save me a lot of trouble. But I'm going to get Henry Gondorf, whether you help me out or not. You wait till the chump is played? Hell yes. We don't care about the mark. He deserves what he gets. I mean, completely played. You come in before we beat him and I'll kill him. All right, Hooker. But you try to take it on the lamb, and we'll shoot you down on sight. And then the second time, no one touched it apart from me, I don't think. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it all just ended up turning into some sort of weird gravy in his summer house. So, yeah. oh, sounds like the line of a very dodgy book. <laughs> 
I'm sure we could write one. <laughs> Mills and Boone. <laughs> As she sifted through the gravy in the summer house. <laughs> now you're talking. There is a marvellous point for me to do an introduction here, lads. I, I, I start the recording at this point. Let the listeners try and work out what the hell we've been talking about for the last 20 minutes. It's the Stephen Ford podcast. With me is it's Paul. There's no Charlie. Hello, Paul. How are you doing? Hi, Scott. I'm good. This is the first of our series of 10th anniversary specials because we are celebrating our 10th anniversary on the 21st of June this year. And just to celebrate, Marcus has just walked in. <laughs> we haven't probably done for 10 years interrupted a podcast. Can you just say hello, please? Hi, guys. There we go. Right. I did not plan that. <laughs> Used to happen all the time in the early recording. Um, and the other voice you can hear way down the end of a Skype line. He's been a friend of the show since episode two. And he's just been a friend of all of us since then. And it's a pleasure to have him here. Smokey, how are you doing, mate? I'm fantastic, thank you. It's wonderful to be back. It's been a very long time. Well, I just looked at the last Skype conversation. It was June 2020 was the last time that we had a Skype conversation. What was the last episode you was on, mate? Can you remember? I I mean, that Skype call was when you guested on on Rated H, I'm guessing, when you did uh, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch with us for the second time. Second time. Yeah, but did we yes. do that on Skype? Yes, we did, mate. Yes. Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um but for stinking pause, my word. We did uh yeah, we did uh Stranger and Fiction and uh The Cook, the Thief, uh his wife and her lover. There's a combination for you as well. That's what we used to do back then. Yeah. <laughs> yes, this was during our very unwoke phase of doing hashtag rape movies. Yes, that whole summer. I remember mm-hmm. it well. <laughs> Yeah. We we try we tried to make it a thing and, uh, and uh, I'm just curious as what is a hashtag rape? Oh well, you get branded. <laughs> <laughs> and it begins. <laughs> oh. A bit of editing. <laughs> no. What? First rule, first rule of stinking paws club, mate. <laughs> I mean, cast cast your mind back those ten years, folks, mate. There was you found us on the second episode because of this particular movie we're going to review tonight. This is the whole gist of the celebration. We're gonna we're gonna go back and re-review some of the the classics we've reviewed over the last ten Absolutely. years. And this was in episode two, which would have been about the July, I'm assuming. Mm. Of, 2013 right yeah just think back then folks and just a few of your thoughts mate you know we all started podcasting literally round about the same time didn't we and we're talking yeah. adam yourself with Stephen, ben and matt yep. were recording together that's right Ken, we didn't know so much at that point no um, but you were history of misunderstanding podcast and now very successful podcast of rated h oh, and the house of hammer what what keeps us doing this? Why have we been doing this so bloody long, mate? Well, I, I honestly don't know. I, I, when uh, when uh, um, history misunderstanding misunderstanding ended, and I, I really had no real interest in uh, podcasting for about a week, <laughs> <laughs> and then it was suddenly like, oh shit, yeah, I kind of missed that. Um, mm. And Ben and I had talked about for a while about doing. Uh, a horror podcast and he was uh studying for his masters at york uni at the time 
and then when uh, because i live in york for those who don't know and so when he would finish his you know lectures for the day and he had a couple of hours to kill before his train home he would come around to mine we'd get a load of beer and we'd sit and watch a horror movie and then we'd drunkenly walk to the station while talking about it and it was sort of like ooh hang on there's there's something here where we can just drunkenly talk about horror movies and lo and behold six years later we're still doing it we yeah. just record it now <laughs> but all you've done is cut out the walk yeah yeah and uh, my waistline is, uh, can tell you that yeah but um, <laughs> yeah no it, it's it, but um, the reason why we do it because it's great fun i mean mm-hmm. all right i know that right especially when we've moved further into the 21st century and especially since we got over the 2020s it's become a bit of a joke it's become a bit of a meme online that uh, forgive the term but it's, it's like oh it's middle-aged white guys if you want to get them to talk put a microphone in front of them and let them do a yeah. podcast kind of bullshit which i think is a really it's a redundant argument right because lo and behold for 30 40 years 50 years more people have been complaining that us blokes don't talk enough and it's like <laughs> all right so put a microphone in front of us and watch us fucking go and we do <laughs> And who who gives a fuck? Because it's even if it's your hobby or what, or if you're getting paid for it, like some of our friends do. I do a yeah. tiny little bit for Hammer, but you know that much. Mm. And it's sort of like I I want to talk films with my friends. What the yeah. fuck is wrong with that? That's that's why we do it, in my opinion. Can you remember way back then? It was a sort of like cottage industry almost. You know, no Absolutely. celebrities really had a podcast, did they at yeah. all? And, and if they did, mm. it was them cutting chunks out of their radio show and stitching them all together yeah. and releasing them at the end of the week yep yeah. that, that was it it just pissed me off when that started to snowball where yep. we had been putting in the graft week in week out putting yes. content out there that, that was better in most cases what, I completely what, agree. what you could hear from these celebs and yep. it just seems like the world and his wife have all got a podcast because they think it's the thing to do and yes. I think yeah. the essence of it has sort of been lost now in the midst of time of of what podcasting was originally all about. Uh, yeah, I think it's diluted, as you say, because of the celeb aspect. Mm. Yes. And every single famous person now in a bit of spare time does a podcast because they know they can get sponsorship for it and get a bit of extra yeah. money for doing nothing other than chat for a couple of hours. Yeah. Whereas yes. with the likes of us, it was a way to put our views across, have a laugh, have a drink, get to know some people we wouldn't have otherwise met and yep. just reach into the homes of the everyday person that is sitting there on a Saturday night thinking, oh, what what can I do? There's shit all on telly. Oh, that's a film I love. I'll listen to a podcast about it. That's yeah. how yeah. I found yeah. podcasting, you know, because... yeah. I used to like listening to spoken word stuff and Radio 4 only had a certain amount of content that you could listen to that was movie related or, you know, topics that would interest me. Yeah. And then I suddenly heard about this thing 11, 12, 13 years ago, possibly about podcasting. I thought, well, what is it? Oh, blimey, it's got everything that I ever wanted to hear. And then when you looked into it and realised how easy it was to do, it is literally just sitting here with the most minimal amount of equipment. You know, you could start. Some people do it on their phone still, for God's sake. Yeah, you know? yeah, I've seen people yeah. do that. Yeah. And yeah. it's, you know, it just brings out that, you know, frustrated DJ in me. That... Yeah. 
Well, that's been hiding there since New Tree, basically. Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> been there, done that. The DJ in New Tree. Got the T-shirt. <laughs> It's very funny. Uh, ben and I spoke about this very recently on, on Rated H is that um, bizarrely we found kindred spirits. We're, we're friends now in real life and, uh, and online with various um, authors. And um, a lot of them are independent authors and things like that. And they have exactly the same issue with someone like, say, Richard Osman or yeah. uh, Bob Mortimer. Granted, if you like these people, great. And that's fine. I'm not knocking mocking them but because they have that name their books go straight to the top of the yeah, charts absolutely. and it's exactly the same with podcasting as well so I, I i've said right well this is great independent podcasters and independent authors should fucking this is a whole situation that should bring us all together mm-hmm. because we're having to deal with exactly the same thing and um and it's really i, I don't want to sound like a child but it's really not fair when as you say we put in this amount of work and and we know what we're doing we've been doing it fucking long enough yeah you know this is a soapbox i could get on and spit about for a long time um but the, the beauty of independent podcasting or podcasting in general really especially if you don't have any sponsors is it's unregulated okay <laughs> as long as you're not you know talking about the best way to commit genocide or pedophilia then okay you're gonna get in trouble but as long as you're doing anything else then you're fine talk about whatever the fuck you want and there's no one there to censor you i don't know if you've had it scott but we've had it a few times with especially with rated age is that we've been offered sponsorship and advertising many times over the years in fact i got one yesterday as well and they all say love your show it's great but we want to change this and it's like, well, then you don't love it. Never had a sponsorship offer, mate, because never had the fucking audience to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I I haven't even got a Patreon. And, and as you know, I've, I've got four or five podcasts on the go at the moment. That may change in the future. But I started this out with no intention of making money from it. It was just a hobby. And it developed into friendships with yourself and ben and adam and kev and all the other guys that we've met over the last 10 years tom and everybody the way of the world is that patreon is the thing i've had people offer money via patreon that i haven't got Mm -hmm. you know saying we love the content especially the rainbow valley podcast it's the one that is my passion project takes me months to put an episode together and people say we really appreciate the effort you've put in. Please let me give Absolutely. you, let me give you money. That's what they say, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I then foolishly I say, no, no, no. The only thing I want is you to retweet and like, give me five stars yeah. on iTunes. No, no, no. But it's true. It is true. The the thing with Hammer, why we set up the patron, is because we do a show every two weeks mm-hmm. that's watching and reviewing a film and doing a segment on something that is in the film every fortnight and it's so much bloody work but there's so much else because hammer is so rich and diverse and we started in what 36 we're up to uh we just released the first film of 1954 and we've been going for nearly two years yeah we've got a long way to go but but there's just so much extra that we're just saying well look we are going to do it it's just going to take us a boatload of time so if you want to hear it we're going to need some money <laughs> you know sure. we're not being ridiculous so well like yeah. i said to you before we came on here my mixer has given up the ghost tonight it's, yes. it's you know been bashed about for 10 years 
it's finally had its day, you know. But mm-hmm. you know, you have hosting fees and you know new microphones you have to buy and bits and pieces yeah. like that. And that has never bothered me forking out for things like that because, you know, it's it's my hobby. I could quite yeah. easily spend that on drugs. <laughs> yeah. Please do. <laughs> oh, I'd like to see that. I would love to see that and film it. <laughs> This just I'll me. set up a patron for that. I'll pay for that. This this just keeps me off the streets, terrorising the prostitutes of Chatham, basically. Mate. It keeps <laughs> me indoors. So I'm used to it over there. <laughs> oh, what we're going to do? We have decided that over the next couple of months, in the run up to June the twenty first, friends of the show, friends, personal friends, as we like to call them now, you know, and Smokey, and Smokey, yeah, and right. me. Yeah, don't forget me. I'm here. Are being invited <laughs> along. And we've asked them to select one, possibly more, of the 240-plus movies we've reviewed over the last 10 years. That's mad. That's a good batting average when you think about it. That's 24 years. That's two a month. Yeah. But back in the old days... We used to do three, maybe four films an episode. The, the first Depends Halloween how pissed you got, special. really. Mm. Yeah. The first <laughs> Halloween special was five. The Christmas yeah. special was five. I remember that one. Yeah. Like two and a half hours long. Longer than that, mate. <laughs> it was longer than that. Well, it certainly felt fucking longer than that. Because yeah. that was the running joke. Smokey and Stephen at the time used to rip the piss out of the running length of the Stinking Paws podcast. It was just like bladder bursting fucking lengths. Well, it's, what are they supposed to be about the time of a train journey, aren't they? So you can w- listen to one on the way to work. Well, only if you went yeah, to Yeah, yeah, but not from fucking <laughs> Edinburgh to Land's End. John Groats, you come fucking, what? No, we, we just do them for a flight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to Australia. Yeah, yeah, you know that walk you're doing from Land's End to John O'Groats next week? Yeah. Well, we've got the perfect companion for you. <laughs> you're covered. <laughs> But only if your battery lasts that long. Yeah. <laughs> We've learned the error of our ways, you know. It's, it's ten years. We, we, we're hoping we're getting things right now, you know. Of course. Yeah. Um, it, we thought it would be nice <laughs> to give people a chance to give us their thoughts on movies that they didn't chip in with. I mean, Paul, you weren't there at the beginning. You were a guest at the beginning of the show, you know, I on occasional think, episodes. Yeah, I think I was there one of the first sort of four or five. It I was think. about episode yeah. seven, I think, you uh, first appeared, six or seven. Yeah. And I was ignored. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, was, it, was, it was mine and Charlie's thing, yeah. you know. Yeah, at yeah, the time, don't, don't worry, don't worry, I don't then, hold it against you. if you remember <laughs> rightly, people like yourself were like, well, what's a podcast? What, what's all that? Mm, didn't... Yeah. didn't Smokey, you'd have had this ten years ago. What's the podcast? I still get it today, mate. Still, yeah. yeah. I don't get it yeah. so much now. And it, it is that first time you sit down in a living room, lounge, whatever, and someone plonks a mic in front of you, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I, yeah. I, I don't know what to say. And you were the really dynamic changed. Yeah. But the thing is, I, I was DJ for like ten years. It's like I've no qualms in speaking mm. into a mic mm. but it's a bit different when you think that people are actually listening to you <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't no, worry you're on the sticky they're not, not me, thank you. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> when you're a dj it's just like oh yeah well done this is happy birthday so and so yeah whatever cheering when you play sweet caroline <laughs> oh jesus yeah well, you would have done back then wouldn't you yeah Yes, and all, silver lining. Oh, all, all, all those lining. classics yeah. that DJs love to play, like YMCA <laughs> and Dexy's Midnight Runners. Yeah. And, oh, God. 
yeah. so, as we said, back, way, way back, episode two, Charlie and I reviewed The Sting. And Stephen heard the episode, mm. who was your former podcasting buddy on History of Misunderstanding podcast, mm. mentioned it to you because he knew you loved the, music, uh, the movie. You had a listen. And as you said, you heard Dog Day Afternoon a couple of episodes later, and that was it. You was, you got in touch with us. That was it. And yep. I, I'm pleased to say we have been friends ever since, mate. It's been really We fantastic. certainly have. So what we're going to do, we're going to take this opportunity to re-review the Sting. We're not going to go that in-depth unless you particularly want to. My thoughts have slightly changed. This is what we said before we came on air. My thoughts have slightly changed over the last 10 years. I'm getting the feeling that Smokies may have changed for something that you held way up here, mm. may have dropped down a few rungs of that ladder. Okay. Old Stoneface sitting next to me at the moment. What? <laughs> I haven't got a fucking clue what he thinks of this movie. <laughs> I don't even know if he fucking watched it. Nah. <laughs> Just looks up on IMDb. Yeah. He's turned he's, 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 he's up with notes, Smokey, right, which is... A, a, Big no-no in the stinking pause fraternity. Uh, he has turned up with notes. I'd love to see what they are. He's, he's probably watched the completely wrong. He's probably watched Sting 2. Oh, 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 yeah. oh, Oliver Reed. <laughs> he's Oliver Reed in Sting 2? Yeah. Yes, he is, yeah. See? I know. See, that was one of his notes gone. Already. Yeah. You can, you can take that <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll play the trailer. We'll be back after this. Trailer. 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 Remember that sting experience, how good you felt? Now, the sting, winner of seven Academy Awards, including Best Picture, is back. Chicago was the place to be in 1936. In those days, the big con was a dying art. Until a first-class grifter on the lamb from the FBI and a young gaffer from Joliet joined forces to con the big Mick. He's not as tough as he thinks. Neither are we. Paul Newman is Henry Gondorf. There wasn't a con he couldn't run. And there wasn't a sucker he couldn't gaff. Robert Redford is Johnny Hooker, a young grifter with plenty of moxie. Three grand on the red, Jimmy. But he's a sucker for lady luck. Tough luck, kid. And a sap for lady love. Thanks for the big evening, Hooker. Next time you want to spend 50 bucks on me, mail it. Robert Shaw is the mark. In the underworld, he's the big mick. Name's Lonergan. Dial Lonergan. It starts with the setup. You owe me 15 grand, pal. Then you bait the hook. Your boss is quite a card player, Mr. Kelly. How does he do it? He cheats. You play him on the wire. The wire's been out of date for ten years. That's why he won't know it. Now he's ready for the sting. He's there. Let's get on it. Don't go back to your place tonight. $500,000 to win. Lucky Dan. Paul Newman and Robert Redford. This time, they might get away with it. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, that was The Sting, released in the UK, 1973, directed by George Roy Hill, starring Paul Newman and Robert Redford, alongside Robert Shaw, Charles Durning, Ray Walston, Eileen Brennan and Harold Gould. I'm going to read the plot synopsis from IMDb. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Two grifters team up to pull off the ultimate con. Brief. To the point. <laughs> are, are you kidding me? No, no, it's literally it. Wow, they're not giving anything away, do they? <laughs> Ten words. That's all they need. That, that's going to entice you in to watch a film, isn't it? <laughs> right. Jeez. We need to go through a bit of your individual histories with this movie without giving too much about about what you thought of this particular viewing first. When I first met Smokey, this is the movie that got us talking because it was one of Smokey's favourite movies. Haven't watched it as far as I know, Smokes, for a little while because you said to me the other night, I know it pretty much off by heart. It's that sort of movie, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a few years since I've revisited it. I actually did a brief segment for it for, for a Hammer not too long ago mm. and, um, and sort of saying, you know, oh, this is – this is in, not only in my top 10 of all time, it was in my top five of all time. Yeah. My history with it was, I remember, I remember the first time I saw this and I was, I don't know, nine, maybe 10. And it was a weekend. And on the weekend when we didn't have school, our parents would let me and my brother have the, the portable television and we would mm. hunker down and we, you know, put up a bed fort and shit and put the television in and we'd watch stuff and, and just do that for the weekend. And, um, and one night, yeah, I just, flicked the channel by hand i would say by hand <laughs> <laughs> and um and yeah and i remember seeing these two guys running down an alleyway to another guy who's lying on the floor and he's screaming he's in pain and and i'm like oh my god why is it you know i'm young i was like why is he in pain what's going on and then they're swapping money and one guy runs away and i'm like oh no don't give him your money he's gonna steal it don't let him do that and then 20 seconds later it was like oh hang on they've taken his money it was really that kid like realization of what was yeah. going on and then it was like oh, okay I-, I need to keep watching this because i need to know what's going on and that was the the moment i fell in love with the sting mm-hmm. and then i remember you know fast forward 10 11 years later when i got my first ever dvd player and you know which was the size of a briefcase Mm-hmm. and yeah. had to go out because I had no DVDs at the time and I had to go out and buy two DVDs and I got Full Metal Jacket and I got this I got, I got this thing um, and uh, yeah uh, that, it's always just been with me this thing since then so that's you know good almost 30 years and uh, yeah as I said I hadn't watched it for a few years until I watched it, uh, rewatched it again last night and I may have misled you slightly, Scott, um, mm. that I didn't, m- my opinion of it hasn't really changed, but I noticed more this time around. There are okay. certain elements to the script and certainly the beginning of the film, uh, which I hadn't really picked up on when I was younger, which I've noticed this time, which we'll, I'm sure we'll go into it a little bit oh, later. Yeah. But Boys. but no, the, the, to me, this, I'm going to lay my cards on the table straight away. This mm. is one of the greatest films of all time. Ah, right. Okay, because... I must have misread your text because I thought yeah. the shine may have come off it slightly on this viewing. Paul, 
Yep. Now, Smokey is incredibly jealous of you, mate, because this is first time watch mate. And uh, by a text i called you a bastard <laughs> because it was your first watch um i i don't think you should be jealous because hmm. seeing it for the first time 50 years on pretty much 50 yeah. years on yeah yeah it to me i i can see the beautiful parts of it like the screenwriting was absolutely superb mm. um but for a first time watch 50 years on it doesn't hold the same excitement and glamour and interest that it would have held had i watched it 20 30 years ago mm-hmm. there's, right there's so many films that have been and gone with a more intricate heist or more twists and turns that you can't help comparing it to some of those and not appreciating what was done in the 70s so i'm not saying i didn't like the film i'm saying that first time watch this late into its aging it is not this you don't appreciate it the same as if you had have seen it earlier in your life smoky fucking hated it <laughs> <laughs> did not say that I, I, I can get it though i can get where you're coming from i can paul has this habit of watching movies piecemeal it's sort of like bits at a time and it, you watch half an hour and it'd be like oh i can't quite get on with this i'll go back to it tomorrow yeah i so would i would that. rather turn a film off and stop watching it and come back to it than sit through right, it okay. in not the right mood or a really shitty mood and, and and just go i'm hating this i'm hating this i'm hating this i'm hating this yeah. i'd rather give it the opportunity it deserves mm-hmm. by going do you know what i'm not in the mood to watch a film right now let's come back to this did gotcha. it pick up for you mate because after that you said oh, i've watched the first half hour i'm struggling a bit with it and i said stick with it it's worth i, I watched the first half hour one day i watched the second half hour another day i watched the last whole hour um, 10 minutes yesterday and it the, the last hour and a bit brought it together beautifully right that's what that's... i said to you i said it's worth for the the denouement is, yeah. is worth waiting for. the what what the denouement <laughs> it's a type of tire <laughs> they're italian they're very yeah, very okay the um, do run the do run run yes he's <laughs> worth run, waiting run. for yeah. rodney and <laughs> mange too <laughs> for me this was my first watch since 10 years ago when we reviewed it Prior to that, I'd probably seen it two, three, possibly three or four times, I'd say. It was the big Christmas movie, late 70s, early 80s. You know, so everybody, you had no choice. There was nothing else on. You know, that, yeah. like, you know, three channels and you've got to watch The Sting or yeah, Billy Smart yeah. Circus, you know, on Boxing Day, whatever it may have been. You know. <laughs> and, of course, you watch it. I was a kid. I was nine, ten years old at the most, you know. Didn't think too much of it back then, but then when you watch it with older eyes, 
when I was going on this journey of discovery of what, trying to find out what a good movie is, as we've all sort of done, you know, probably watched it when I was about 18, 19, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Thought the whole thing about the plot twists and the turns and the old intricate sort of pacing and the planning of what actually goes on in this movie was incredible. It was unique. It was well-written. It was like, that's what made the movie. And I still had that opinion up to 10 years ago when I watched it again. Mm. I thought, yeah, this is great. But I think this is what Paul was hinting at just a minute ago. And I said this to Paul earlier. We've been spoiled the last 20 years or so by things such as the Mission Impossible movies where a heist or a con is so much intricately planned and the twists and the turns are so well hidden. Or even like the M. Night Shyamalan like twists yeah. right at the end yeah. bang, like that that you don't Where things are always what they yeah. seem yeah and for a movie that is called the sting that hinges on the final con this time round the sting itself to me was a bit oh is that all it boiled down to you know and that sort of i'm not saying it ruined the movie for me I'm just looking at this now as a 54-year-old man who's seen this movie throughout his entire life. Yes, yes, during the war when I first saw it. (laughs) And I've watched it at different ages in my life, and I think I've had a different reaction to it every time I've watched it. And this one, I'd say, I'm not saying... Well, can you imagine, right, 1973, whatever it was, is it 73 or 72? 73. 73. 73, yeah. The two biggest actors in Hollywood. That's another one of you know, it's gone. <laughs> 73, <laughs> gone. <laughs> You've got the two Sorry. biggest actors in Hollywood in a massive movie, bringing them back together based on the success of another massive movie that they were in. Yeah. And can you imagine the anticipation for this film way back in 73? Sure. It, it, there's no one, and, and I, I remember the whole Scott Joplin music thing. There was a revival, a big resurgence in this sort of like 20s, 30s ragtime, ragtime music yeah. as well. You know, it, yeah. it hit the conscience of everybody. You know, everybody was fully aware of this movie. Um, and I think it's a shame, Paul, that you didn't enjoy it as much as, as possibly you can. Because do you remember your reaction to Paper Moon, which is round about the same sort of time? Yeah. And also filmed in the 70s, set in the 30s. Same sort of era. Yeah. You loved it. Yeah, you know, absolutely and adored it. And I said to you, the first thing I said was, I thought it would be in black and white. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, that just threw me off. I said to Scott, I said, it almost filmed too colourful. Like, mm-hmm. it, it almost looked like one of those old 30s, movies that had been coloured in gotcha and, and that sort of just spoiled it for me i i think i might have appreciated it more had it been in black and white had it been that little bit not so sharp around the edges a little bit grittier mm. um because it was all obviously set in the 30s so why not why not just go black and white um and there's there's bits of it that I really enjoyed and and there's characters in it that are great. Um Robert Shaw's character is absolutely fantastic throughout. Yeah, he really is. 
And, and to think that only what one year later he done Jaws. Seventy five. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, years yeah. later. And and the comparison between the not just the roles but the eras in what they were set. I mean, it shows the diversity of a great actor. Yeah. Um, to Paul Newman, Robert Redford, it didn't seem too far of a stretch from what they've played previously. If you look at, I don't know, um, Butch, Butch Cassidy. But no, I was thinking like uh, Callahan Luke and things mm. like that. Uh, yeah. Um, it, it's not too much diversity. But then don't like the major stars, you know, it happens today. They don't necessarily get typecast, but they always appear in the same. Liam Neeson will always appear in oh, a fucking Jesus Liam Neeson movie. You know, Gerard Butler, you know, you interchangeable. Um, yeah. You find that, you know, Tom Hanks will always appear in a family friendly, safe kind of movie. And when he does something a bit different, that's when he mm. becomes noticeable. Yeah. Um, and that's what happened, I think, with Paul Newman and Robert Redford. They were the safe box office bet. And keeping yeah. them both together, when you've had that prior success yeah. with the same director, it makes box yeah. office sense, And they got it? paid, what, half a million each for this? When, Is when, this your other note now? When the film... <laughs> yeah, I, I've got lots of notes. Half a million each when it only cost five and a half million. So that's like one million that's of the budget big, gone. Big bit of the budget. Away. Yeah. But it looks really yeah. like I, you said. It's, it's gorgeous. Yeah. I, I think it's really interesting, though, when you say that, when you sort of compare it to more modern films where there are twists and turns and, and, and intrigue and, and you know, not everything is as it seems. Whereas I watched it last night, and obviously I know the twist. I know what's yeah. coming. And so I'm I'm looking at it in ways that I'm trying to see if there are any giveaways for what the twist is going to be. Yeah. And the clever thing about this thing is, is that it messes with your mind so much that there aren't any giveaways to what the twist is going to be because they give you so many red herrings, i.e. the, the FBI agents. Uh, and, and then, and then Salino, you know, is she just a waitress or holy shit is she an assassin although you know and it's and then you know <laughs> whoever is the guy who is chasing hooker is he working for <clears throat> excuse me is he working for robert shaw is he working for paul newman you don't know and when it all comes together at the end when i again when i was watching it last night i was just sort of like that's so damn clever and mm-hmm. You're also getting you're looking at Charles Durning uh, playing um, Snyder and you're looking at him going, right, is he just a copper or is he just a bent copper or is he a bent copper who may be working for Robert Shaw or is he a bent copper that may be working for Paul Newman? You don't know until right at the end till you realize he is just a bent copper. That's it. It gives you so many options of what he is. Sorry, of what he isn't. And then you actually, it, what he is right at the beginning of the film is just what he is, and mm. and that that was a wonderful bait and switch on on the film. I think that's incredible. But it's also like you have all the guys in the uh, in the quote unquote betting shop, mm. and they're all there because one of their own has been killed, and it's yeah. sort of like, well, all right, are they, or is there someone on the inside working for Robert Shaw or for someone else? No. Not at all. Your mind just goes over there, and it's just like, all right, fine, that's okay. 
Um, but I, yeah, I was watching it from a perspective of were there clues, and and I really, uh, mm, I didn't really pick up on very many. There were a couple, mm. but there weren't a lot. Yeah, I think what you pointed out earlier, Smokey, about when you see that first con mm. with James Earl Jones's dad. Yeah, Robert. yes, yeah, Robert, yeah, and. You know, you think that's just a straightforward robbery, and and that got you as a kid basically the first time you watched Absolutely. it. Absolutely, that whole switcheroo, and it all becomes something completely different. Watching that as an adult now, mm-hmm. your mind is constantly thinking, "What's real? What's not? Where's the con? Where's gonna yep. be the next twist?" Because you know you've had a twist this early in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I've got an hour and a half more of this to go. What's what, and like you your brain is trying to be two steps ahead of the script and yeah. it's impossible to do that, mm. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. What, it, going back to what um, Smokey just said is unfortunately because of my mind trying to do that and me, I, I watch a lot of like American cop shows and that I picked up on the FBI straight away. Uh, and that sort of maybe spoil it a little bit for me. Because I realised that they weren't actually the FBI, but yeah. on saying that, I did not click one bit onto the waitress. I I uh, didn't didn't go there at all that she was something mm-hmm. other than like a love interest. Yeah. Uh, so that bit totally surprised me. They, they played it so well in in that she was just this random woman who was yeah. just there just to shag Robert Redford. But I, I tell you the bit that I love about that whole sequence um, is what makes it so clever is um, when um, Redford gets rescued by the guy who's been sent to babysit yeah, him by, by Paul Newman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he says, he, he matter of factly just says, well, she could have just killed me last night. And he just goes, oh, no, no, someone could have seen you. And lo and behold, we see the scene where her landlady peers out through her door. Yes, yeah. Yeah, it is. It. yeah that's very well written. Line. Yeah. And, uh, and I was watching it going, holy shit, he's right. Yeah, so uh, she she was an assassin, but she literally shagged him because she had no other choice. <laughs> yeah, she couldn't kill him at the time. Yeah. No. But she had to know where he was. Mm. It's so clever. That's what I said about the screenplay. The the screenwriting mm. on it, it is absolutely superb. And yeah. I totally understand why it won an Oscar for that. Yeah. Um, won seven Oscars in total, I do believe. And it was best picture, wasn't it? Did, yeah, but, but not best actor or best supporting. No. And it didn't get best supporting or didn't get nominated for best supporting because... Robert Shaw was third on the credits. Yep. If he'd have been second on the credits, they reckon he would have got nominated for it. Is that how it works? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's a bit like that whole um towering inferno thing with uh with Newman and Steve McQueen, isn't it? You know, you're fighting for top billing. Mm. So if they if if Newman and Redford fought for top billing on the sting, which I don't think they did actually, because they always went alphabetical. Didn't didn't they get round it by one on the left, one on the right, and one was higher than the other? Or Newman, the only reason Newman agreed is because he got half a million for it, he got uh, top billing, um, and there was some other reason as well, but yeah, it was definitely Newman. But my, oh, my, my point is, though, the there you go. Yeah. My, 
my point is though is that if you do that you deny robert shaw his supporting yeah, actor thing absolutely yeah which which is an absolute in pain. that role yes. it was uh someone boone some uh, western star was supposed well, to be pat it. boone not pat boone no? <laughs> say pat boone was a singer, that would have been fun <laughs> no, but there, there was some uh, Western star that was supposed to be in it, but uh, pulled out at the last, which, oh. and it was Newman that fought for Robert Shaw to be in it. Ah, okay. Well, he, he fought well, because, I mean, Robert Shaw is absolutely fantastic. Um, I, I, you've got to give uh, so much credit to Charles Durning as well, because he he's, he's horrible. He's fucking horrible. <laughs> right. Charles Durning, mm-hmm. round about the same sort of time, plays a cop in Dog Day Afternoon. Yes, he Charles does. Charles Durning made this little living around this sort of time as being a policeman, doesn't he? You a, know? Bit, a bit more mm. sympathetic in Dog Day Afternoon. In Dog Day Afternoon, he's absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, this, this little niche that he's found himself as like fat donut eating cop, basically, you know, whatever yeah. it may be. And he, 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 he had a niche and he worked it. Yeah. yeah. Um. But then uh, he's he's the guy he's the guy who tries tries to shag Dustin Hoffman in Tootsie. So again, you know. and, and and then Doc Hopper in the Muppet movie. You know this man <laughs> could fucking act. You know. <laughs> I forgot about that. Oh my god. <laughs> Charles Durning does not get the love he deserves. I'm, I'm yeah. sure. You know. He's <laughs> wonderful. He's absolutely wonderful. Um, I just, I just want to quickly go go back before I forget it. Um, yes, mate. Uh, another, another one of my standout moments for this, and again, just one I really properly noticed last night, is you've got um, uh, FBI agent Polk uh, yeah. again in inverted commas, um, and and you know he he's met uh, Snyder, he's met Hooker or sorry Kelly, whatever you wish. Uh, there's so many names in this film. And he's so icy and he doesn't give a fuck. And it's like, if you can help the FBI, great. If you can't, I don't care. You're going to prison. He's so solid. And then when you get to the end and you find out he's a stooge, he's not FBI at all. He's a mate of Paul Newman's. And it's the split second they get rid of Robert Shaw. And he, mm. he his voice changes. He goes from <laughs> talking like that to going, ah, we've done it, kind of thing. And it was just, oh, I, I just crumbled. I was just like, that is perfect. It's, it was, it was like an actor being allowed to breathe again. It was wonderful. Yeah, it's, it's a good example of actors acting within a performance. Absolutely. If you know what I mean, you know, he's, yeah. he's playing a character that's playing a character. Oh, so good. And it and that's the sort of thing that sort of hits home in this movie. When I yeah. when I said I was a bit disappointed, it was, it was just the final sting itself at the beginning when I said mm. that the whole thing about it just being a, um, you know, a, a prolonged horse race result. Yeah, well, because you I actually I actually said that I'd seen an old black and white movie where they cheated on the horse racing by having the radio commentary played in like three or four minutes yeah. late. And I, I, I think we sort of found it. It's something like so really? 1939 and the long, the long arm, the long shot, or long shot or something like that. And to be and fair, it, they say that in the film though, mm. they say, well, that hasn't been used for years. And one of the, the yeah. you know, proper grifters goes, I'm not sure I even know it. And it's like, yeah. well, it hasn't been used. So if you say that's in the thirties, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it is something that I've sort of seen, but the 
absolute brilliance of it is that it wasn't just that they set this guy up to bet on the mm. horse race. They met him on the train. They had a game of poker where he got cheated. He <laughs> owed this person money. So it's just this extremely long build-up to mm. this thing. It, it's not the fact that, oh, it's just about, right, we'll introduce these characters, they're all dodgy gits, and we'll do this thing at the end. It was this beautiful, just slow, methodical build-up to it yeah. to entice him into it every step of the way and, and that's, I, i've got to imagine that's why they call it you know they keep referring to it during the film especially at the beginning of saying oh you're playing a big con you know so it's so it's mm. it's you know it's it's not what they're doing in the street at the start of the film it's a long con it's something that's going to take time yeah and they don't rush it and it's great yeah the, the bit i think really stood out for me in the whole process of this thing was the second time that Robert Shaw goes in to place his second bet because, you know, he's a mm. bit wary that the first one was, uh, you know, yeah. just might have been a fluke, you know. Yeah. And, and they realise they haven't got the money to cover it if it, you know, mm. it comes off. So they do this whole switcheroo thing where the, the queue for the, the counter becomes longer. The and longer shut out. Get yeah, yeah. And he gets shut out, exactly. And he just <laughs> misses his... But it's convincing enough for him to think, even though he hasn't put any money down, there's something in this, yeah. you know, it's, it's, and that was enough. He went, I'm in, basically. I mean, that's what I liked yeah. about the actual part of the sting where he went, no, no, not on first. I said place. The yeah. yeah. As in put a place on him, like first or seconds. Yeah. So it's that, so that good. Very clever. Yeah. Um, when, they're, when they're getting Lonergan to place the first bet and you have Erie there who was, Redford's you know early sort of scam partner along yeah. with Luther and obviously he's nervous he's green he doesn't mm. really know how to act and he, he overacts and all Redford does it's such a weird thing all Redford does is goes <laughs> <laughs> and and that is the signal for the older experienced guy who's playing the Englishman to yeah. take over and so Erie runs away. The Englishman comes in, assists next to him, and it all settles it back down again. It's just such a subtle little thing, but it's just the weirdest noise that comes you, out of Robert Redford. You get the impression that every base is covered, mm. no matter what potentially might happen. Yeah. They've thought this through so far in advance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's the beauty of it, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I just wonder how many times the screenwriter wrote it, went back, changed a few bits, and then went back again, changed a few yeah. more bits, and each time made it that little bit more intricate and a little bit, well, he might realise that, so we'll change a bit there. That I, I think the writing of it makes it such a beautiful film. And it's not often I think I've said that. It. it I'm usually concentrating on the actors and this is warming my heart. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I I, I do think uh, that was just so beautifully written. It must've taken so many years to get that absolutely spot on. Yeah. Well, let let me ask you guys a question because you, you were saying, you know, you're sort of saying a little, a little uh, disappointed with the, 
yeah, the final stick. A bit of the shine came off for me, mate. That's all. There it is. So, so everything they do. So let me say. So the train ride, or there's the first betting, or there's the um, uh, the Western Union office that they paint and then fuck off. That is brilliant. That is. <laughs> uh, by the way, the more we're talking about this, the more I know I've made a complete mistake in my first statement. Mate. So, uh, <laughs> because I'm just thinking about watching it last night, thinking it's a fucking great movie. What am I talking about? <laughs> I just want to say, so if the final sting is a little a tiny bit of a letdown, forget what was your favourite? Forget it. What was Follow. your favourite sting part? <laughs> mm-hmm. What was your right. favourite sting of the film? If the final one wasn't the the be all and end all, I think the very first one mm. w- with James Earl Jones's dad, because I'd forgotten that. Right. And I'm, I'm like thinking. Or is this how he meets James Earl Jones, his dad? You know, and it's but it's not. He's his partner. And, and then when they go back to the apartment, and there's this whole twenty years. He's called Robert. Story, yeah. And, and and then his wife, when they threaten to put his wife in jail later on, you know, it's all linked. And there's this history that it's it's not a scam that's been going on for six months. It's been going on for twenty years. These guys have been working closely together, and they know each other so well. Um, and there's this whole history amongst them all, you know, and, and and you can see that with people like Ray Walston and all those. Is it Ray Walston? Yeah, all, all yeah, those. Yeah, not Ray Winston. Not Ray Winston. <laughs> no, no. And, and you know, these very fucking Redford, you can't. Place your bets. Nil by sting. <laughs> <laughs> but you just know there's just this perfect grifting team yeah. I, I would have said in in my opinion the the poker game i mean i'm a great uh, lover of agree poker. with that um, switch yeah the, the the fact that he sort of cheated a cheater sort of thing it, yeah. it's just beautiful yeah. um i say i i love poker can i ask how did he do it because i know when they put the loaded deck mm-hmm it went into his lap and he wrapped it in the handkerchief or whatever. But how did Paul Newman switch the, the threes? Was it the threes? Yes, that's right. Yeah. He, yeah. he switched from, he switched from threes we to jacks. We don't know if he had up his sleeve or nothing, do we? Yeah. We don't know how he, we did. He, he did because JJ came into the, the carriage before the game and he says he uses one of two decks and here are them both. He gives yeah. them both to him. Yeah, and he said he likes threes and nines, was it? Or... Yes, threes yeah. and nines. So you've got to play above nine, but you don't want to go mentally. You don't want to go king because that's just yeah. too obvious. Yeah. But how did so he you do... go for jacks, that's safe. How yeah. did he do the switch in his own hand, though? Don't know. We, we don't know. But, that's, that's the only answer I, I need. I, I do know that there was a hand double. Who was the actual um, advisor on poker mm-hmm. and, and all the switching and he actually played Newman's hand double uh, uh, until the section where Newman fucks up the trick that's actually mm. Newman fucking up the trick because <laughs> yeah. obviously he could do that yeah but no but it's what it is is obviously he has the two decks so he knows what to use he has one in each arm if you will and so obviously he's having to hide them from the guys who have left the game and the bodyguard mm. who sat behind him as well and so, and he has to bring them down. Yeah, you know? it's it's like that scene in Blazing Saddles, you know, when he has to grab the the king, um, 
without him pulling his guns out. You know, oh, shit, hit my microphone. Um, and it, and he literally pulls it off the table and drops it underneath. And that's why yeah. his hands are in. It's exactly yeah. the same sleight of handedness as well. Okay. Um, but I, I completely agree that the poker scene is one of my favorites. It's it's absolutely wonderful. Um, the, the line as well, he says, what do you want me to do? Accuse him of cheating better than me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He knows that he's yeah. onto an equal, if not better, doesn't he? At that point, yeah. and also that is the very sort of start. That that is the amoeba of the actual long con, isn't it? Because it all stems from there. Yeah. If they well, hadn't he, have done that, he, he wouldn't have been able to entice him into all the rest of the yeah. shenanigans. <laughs> But 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 then it comes back into play right at the end of the film, because he says to him right at the end, he says, not only are you a cheat, you're a gutless cheat. And that's mm. what makes him take the bet. Mm. So, you know, it all comes full circle with that. But I've got to say, one of my favorite scenes that just doesn't really mean much is when Snyder appears at the bar and he's he finds Eerie there and he smashes his face into the table and there's all yeah. that. But what that does is not only, as Easy mentioned already before, um, it, they've said, oh, well, he killed Luther, so you've got two, three hundred guys. OK, that doesn't really mean anything. But you bring him into the, the copper into a bar. You not only hurt someone who's really well liked, you've just guaranteed you've got the best grifters in the world working for your enemy as well. Yeah. 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 It's such a weird little subtle scene. It only lasts a few minutes. But it explains why they have the best guys working for them. It's so very clever. And even why they say to him, he says, well, hang on, you've got a broken nose. Oh, OK, I'll give you a job anyway. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's it was just... strange. The 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 bit where uh, Redford was living and working with the carousel at, and, and the obvious whores. Um, oh, Newman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and. Um, the the woman uh Eileen Billy. Brennan, Brennan. Eileen Brennan. Yeah, yeah, yeah who I sort of looked at straight away I, I thought, know what you're gonna say where do I recognize her from hey, don't say <laughs> smoke you'll know yeah private Benjamin for me yep. Benjamin, <laughs> exactly because <laughs> growing up in the 80s I remember the tv series yeah. before I saw the film but yeah. she was in both but yeah I was just like she's got such a square jaw for a female yeah. just She's what you'd class as a handsome woman. Um, <laughs> she also uh, also in Clue as well. She's in uh, she she's Clue, in Clue yeah, with yeah. Tim Curry and yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, she's she's fantastic though. She plays this part really well. Absolutely. when she when she had at the bar when um, yes, Snyder came on, in, <laughs> yeah, it was it was just so beautiful that she she just. Uh, it was almost like a lawyer avoiding questions and answers, wasn't it? Yeah. It was just so beautifully done. Yeah. Oh, I thought your I thought your note was going to be the fact that when he pours the beer over her hand, that was a mistake. Oh well, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like all these rooms. You can check the rooms if you like, sort of thing. And I'm thinking, yeah, they better not check all of them. <laughs> so the beer thing wasn't scripted. No, no. Um Charles Durning missed his mark, unfortunately, yeah. when he grabbed the beer. And uh, when she sort of says, oh, no, you can look around as she holds her arm out in that way. He, and he 
tips the beer, it goes all over her arm, and that was not meant. That was oh, not in the script. Right. And so they they kept going until the line she says, "Well, you can do what you want, but you're going to be busted in on the chief of police." <laughs> and and of course that shuts down his whole investigation because he can't risk it. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, no, so she just ended up with beer all over her. <laughs> Poor girl. But they didn't break character, so fair play to him. You know? like DiCaprio and um, Django Unchained, isn't it? The oh, cutting his, cutting his yeah, hair. Yeah, yeah. More extreme, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit more. If, if, if Charles Dunning had smashed that glass over her hand, <laughs> then I'd go, all right, fair news. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think she might have shown some reaction to she that. She may have actually reacted to that, yeah. If she hadn't, then Oscar now. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's some sort of significance in the carousel as well. I mean, I haven't mm. prepared any notes like my dear friend sitting next to me. <laughs> me? I, I don't prepare. Do they refer to something called the Bunko Squad in this? Yes. Right. Do you remember the Paul Daniels magic show? Not much. Stick with me. <laughs> he used to do a segment every week called the bunko booth Mm. where he would dress up as like a american 19th century fairground barker sort of thing yeah i remember that yes yeah yeah and it was in the bunko booth right so the carousel must be something to do with the fairground fraternity that yeah the bunko Con men or something would have learnt their trade in Mm. the fairgrounds or something perhaps that's where it comes from i don't know I mean, that makes sense. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, not to denigrate anyone, but I mean, you know, sort of fairgrounds and 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 whatnot are associated with more Romany types, aren't they? Who yeah. Yeah, sometimes probably. aren't the most honest of folks sometimes. <laughs> very, very well skirted yeah. around. Allegedly. <laughs> so I'm just saying it's not, it's, it's not out of the realms of possibility but then again the the uh, something you mentioned there is that um when billy says to snyder that his badge doesn't carry much weight because he's out of his jurisdiction as well yeah. um yeah they were in chicago weren't they yeah, yeah and that uh yeah because he had joliet wasn't it and so it was yeah. so and that happens another time during the film as well no, it might have been near the start but um uh yeah i mean there must be these terms um i mean it's a bit like you know, uh, films that have Cockney rhyming slang, isn't it? You know, it's terms of the time that they're, yeah. as yeah. you say, bunko. And, as soon as the word yeah. bunko was brought up, I thought that, that's yeah. Paul Daniels. He had this thing called the bunko booth and he was there in the bowler yeah. hat. And the I remember him and, in the... It makes sense, right? Yeah. 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 And, and yeah. So when the carousel appears, I'm thinking, okay, yeah. con men learning their trade, travelling around the country because no, they're not going to get caught. Perhaps he know? just used to get with whores. Horse or horses? Horses, or oh, both. <laughs> Whatever takes you fancy. I guess so. so. My word. We're going to start winding this up a wee bit in a minute. Do you, do you want some facts? Before we wind this up, let's go to Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I don't particularly want any facts, mate, but he's going to... I'm just going to say him anyway. You, you've worked facts. so hard. Yeah. Do you know who was offered the lead role instead of Newman? Before Newman? So it's 73. Who's big in, in the early 70s, Scott? Hoffman. Uh, um, uh, Ryan O'Neill. Jack Nicholson. Makes sense. 
That would make sense. It's 73. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, blimey. I can't see him playing it, though. No, yeah. no. It's, Wouldn't it's, have worked, would it? He's, no. he's not as cool, no. is he? He's not as slick. It's um, too too ornery, a bit too sharp. It's yeah. Yeah. Um, as I said earlier, budget was five and a half million, made 160 million. It's the 20th highest box office hit in the US if you compare like ticket sales compared to the base ticket sales. What over ever? 20th. Yeah, 20th. Wow. Which that's, that's quite impressive. Um Robert Shaw's limp in the film was right. real. I was going to I say, because I knew there was something, when we spoke about this on the original review, there was something about Robert Shaw's limp. It was real, yeah? Yeah, he damaged it a week before playing handball, so they left it in the filming. Uh, he was yeah. wearing a brace under his trousers, right. but because he was there wearing 30s clothing, which is quite baggy, you couldn't see it. Didn't it work um, well, though? It just yeah. added to it. Now, this is the biggest, weirdest fact, but I'm hoping it's true because it is off the internet, so not everything off the internet is true. <laughs> the diner where he uh, meets the waitress. Oh, yeah. Same diner where yeah. Marty McFly meets his dad in Back yeah. to the Future. That is true. It's all on the back lot of yeah. Paramount. Uh, oh, that was a thing at the beginning. Universal. Had yeah. the original 30s Universal logo, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that diner, also, that diner didn't look the same as Back to the Future. But I suppose it's the angles in which you see it. Also the same. It's, it's down the sort of the arse end of the bar instead of further yeah. up where they yeah. are in Back yeah. to the Future. Yeah. But the Back to the Future set is also the same set for Gremlins. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Real Gremlins. Yeah, real Gremlins. We won't go into that. <laughs> real Gremlins. Smokey knows the story. I'm, I'm over that now. I'm fine. <laughs> go back over 10 years of Stinging Balls history if you want to know what that comment fucking referred to. He's not bitter. No. 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 It's, it's like, you know, Charlie doesn't like people mentioning Peter Sellers appearing multiple times oh, in God, movies. Yeah. Or Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> this is what this is about. It's a celebration of ten years. <laughs> before, before we wrap up, though, can I? I, mm. I would just like to mention my most odd, just the oddest thing in this film. Yeah, is that they uh, so Hooker and um, uh, Gondolf are chilling out, and the the part of the con is done. They're getting ready for the big con. They're chilling out. They're playing cards. Okay. Yeah. You're playing crib. That's they were playing yeah. 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 And they're just chatting and they're getting frustrated. Well, Hook is getting frustrated and all that. And they and they just stop. They stop. They're done. He can't concentrate. Yeah. Paul Newman grabs a deck of cards and he slams it on the table. Right? This yeah. is a thing that's bugged me ever since I saw it as a kid. And they put in a sound effect of the deck hitting the table. And it's the loudest smack <laughs> ever. It's not just it's just, and it's like, why, why did they do that? If, if you go back and watch it, it is the most, for me, we'll insert the recording now. <laughs> of course, Chicago was a rigged town. The fix was in. Dicks took their end without a beef. We had it down to a business. <laughs> and a really stunk kid. 
No sense being a grifter if it's the same as being a citizen. Yeah, I got Pagman doing it'll be a hot number again after tomorrow. Can you hear that, lad? Did you hear that? Did you hear that? <laughs> I did. I there did. You go. Okay. It, it's the most weird bit of ADR I've ever seen in a film, and it all every time I see you it, I wound it. it about three times last night because I still <laughs> couldn't. Is it like a a, a whip crack, like a kinda? I mean, it is like something hitting a wooden table, but it's it's more like if you had a kosh and you twatted a table with it. <laughs> That's what it sounds like. And I've never gotten over it for 30 years. And I, it happened last night and I just kept rewinding it and rewinding it. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it does not belong in that scene. It's the weirdest sound effect. It's so strange. Smokey, when was the last time you saw this movie, mate? Uh, before last night, it's got to be. two, three years, maybe. Okay, so it's still it's still got a regular watch for you, basically. You do still. I, I love it. it. Yeah. I, I absolutely adore it, and uh, you know, um, <laughs> we're depends which way you look at it, lucky or unlucky, is that channels like uh, in this country, like ITV2 or ITV3, they have a pretty serious roster of films they play over and over again and the sting is one of them on there yeah it's, it's on so. netflix till the end of the month that's where i watched it last night ah okay is it still top five for you yes yeah yeah i mean this i i honestly i honestly believe that uh, there are there are films in my top five which i could which i can say are they are one of my favorites of all time but i i can definitely tell that they're not going to be for everyone you know um i i know harvey isn't going to be top 10 for everyone i know Mm -hmm. uh jaws maybe but i know you know terminator is in my top five i know that's not going to be for everyone but when it comes to the sting Mm -hmm. i honestly believe it is one of the greatest films of of all time i think it's up there with what what people would think are the greatest films ever made like say vertigo or citizen kane or one i think the sting is up there that's how much i put uh with, with the sting I, I i think it's perfect i really do it's quite sickening when you look at the imdb top 250 which we always oh, had a real fucking okay. sort of yeah. like you know thing yeah. against i'm just looking now is that am i reading that right 112 that says yeah the, you know, there are 111 movies better than this, apparently, according to uh, And I bet half of them are animated shit in the last 10, oh, 20 years. Yeah, there'll be Disney in there. Though. I mean, the algorithm on there is not great. I, I, I will give that. But, and this is the, the IR I get from Letterboxd users, which I know you are one, Scott, but I'm, mm. I'm not. Because um, I'm not a child, so I won't rate out five. So, <laughs> is he calling uh, you a child? I, I, I'm calling every. No, no, I'm calling every letterbox user a child because if you rate out five, then you have no idea what the fuck you're doing. So, <laughs> rate out ten, like a, an apple. <laughs> Five star rating system. Oh. We have had many arguments oh, over the years, oh, and, and, and as and as friends, we are allowed to have arguments like this, mate, aren't we? And, and the thing that Paul never gets is if I rate something four out of five on Letterbox, it's not necessarily eight out of ten. Nope. Yeah, I don't see that. <laughs> out of ten is much more sense to me. Thank you, Paul. See, <laughs> all all these little girls who just like to go to Letterbox <laughs> and say. 
Oh, my last five. Oh, look at that one. It's three and a half. Is is it really three and a half? Or is it a six or a seven out of ten? It's yeah. just like, just grow up. All of you, grow up. And just rate it properly out of ten. Because that's how it, that's how ratings work. I've, I've seen rating systems out of a hundred, which completely well, fucking... Yeah, happen. well... well people I'm, are giving 77.5. Oh, I was, I was reading into this um, a, a short while ago, and... Um, it was saying, oh, New York Times gave it four out of four stars. And I'm like, four out of four? Four. four. The fuck's that? And one gave it three and a half. And I'm like, why out of four? Where's that come from? (laughs) I'm sorry, that was like fucking CBeebies. That wasn't... (laughs) I I don't know what those uh, toddlers are reviewing, but no, no, no. You want to be a well-adjusted human being? Right, share out of ten for fuck's sake. <laughs> Damn it. So, as a first-time watch, mate, how about you? Ah, oh, it was two out of four. No. Nicely. <laughs> 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 um, I would say probably seven out of ten. I wasn't Maybe. asking for a rating. I'm sorry. Oh, well, sorry. <laughs> we were talking about ratings. You asked how it was. I, 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 I presumed. <laughs> just be as a first time watching them. Do you enjoy it? Great film, bad film, shit film, whatever. You know. Yes. Ticked every box for you, didn't it? Yeah. Great screenplay. Um, great acting. In today's market, you couldn't put that film out there and expect it to win awards because there's been so many films in the meantime that have had different twists and better twists and that. But yeah, totally appreciate that back in the seventies that this would have been something brand new to them and something that would have played with people's minds and totally surprised everyone. So I I can appreciate it, but watching it today for the first time, yeah, seven ish. Yeah. Uh, can I, can I, can I just say uh, very quickly there, though, mate? And, and I completely, I respect your rating. Uh, I get it. I understand where you're coming from. Uh, I would be very interested what your rating would be if you watched it again, knowing what you know. Yeah. 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 And, and even us sitting here speaking about it, mm. which I often say to Scott, makes you realise that you liked it more than you actually thought at the time. It does. You're wrong. <laughs> just might change my opinion I, I, no, I'm putting my hand up to this as well because I went into this conversation earlier this evening yeah. with a slightly jaded view of the movie mm. a, a very tired sort of 50 year old movie that didn't hold no surprise no didn't hold no surprises for me I, I thought was, you were going to say a very tired 50 or 4 year old man's opinion <laughs> There was uh, that as well. A 54 year old man watching a very tired 50 year old movie at the same time. And <laughs> but as always, my friends have brought the conversation up so much for me that mm. I, I, I'm going to hold my hands up. I, I was wrong. I, I was wrong. Um, all right. The last twist, the sting itself, the thing, the actual crux of it is the horse racing results being delayed or whatever it may have been. Fine, but when you look at the intricacies of what goes in, that was a fucking drink. What goes in to get into the denouement 
<laughs> Sorry? We're all about these tyres again. <laughs> it is a perfectly crafted piece of cinema that was not being made in 1973. The, oh, studio, the studio system had <laughs> Sorry, Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, we we had this this thing that we we call it the Raging Bull Easy Rider period, don't we, from like 69 to 80, where where cinema turned on its head, where the studio system had died and all the independent filmmakers were like, all those guys were making movies. And and Baker had this fucking vision of bringing like traditional Hollywood stars, because that's what Redford and, and Newman were. They were traditional... Hollywood stars, they were the last of that lot to come through the 60s and say, do you know what, we're just going to make something in a studio, that's the other thing, right, we talk about the cinematography yeah, it was all, there was no location work apart from the back lot of the studio, and it looks it looks like the back lot of a studio but it looks fucking great Yeah, And, and it just sort of as you said Paul, it takes you back to a movie that may have been made 30, 40 years previously mm-hmm. in black and white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what it is. And it's just yeah. fucking perfect. Absolutely. And uh, out of five stars. <laughs> <laughs> I, I Go on, then. Give your bitch rating. Uh, my star, this is another thing about my star rating. It's not based on how good, the, it's based on how much I enjoyed the movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I can get away with anything if I say that. <laughs> I fucking enjoyed it. It's a five star movie in that respect and totally deserves to be. Okay. And that will equate to a 10 out of 10. Sure. Yeah. Not a nine. No. <laughs> I'll explain. I'll give it a four and a half. <laughs> <laughs> right. Gentlemen. Oh, we, we we haven't had Smokey. What would you rate it? Well, Smokey? I wasn't going to go for ratings, but as soon as you want no, to push well, the issue. Well, but... we've both given one. So <laughs> I, I think I'm sure I did. I'm sure I did. It's a 10 out of 10 oh, for me. I, I've only got a, I've I've only got a, few... for a 15 out of 15. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have many films that I will give a 10 out of 10 to, but this is definitely yeah. one of them. It's okay. it's superlative. And I, I, was, I was looking at my... As I said, I bought this on DVD, you know, uh, uh, 25 years ago-ish. Mm. Mm. And and it's beaten, it's battered, it's got um, extras on it that are text only. Um, oh, so that was, that was it, yeah, so that was interesting. Uh, I will have to upgrade to a Blu-ray uh, at some point, I think. But it didn't. It, it didn't take anything away from it, uh, the, the viewing experience. Granted, because of the oldness of it, I had to really crank the volume up to hear anything. <laughs> but um, no, I mean, this is this is a perfect film for me. It is. Um, and that's why I wanted to come on to uh, to the Sticky Paws and talk, talk about it, because it, I, <laughs> because of the, all the other shows I do, I can't talk about it there. So, <laughs> um, um, yeah, but but that's that's why you know I I talk about Hammer and horror and thirties uh, and forties uh, films on all the best lines. It's just like no, I want to come in here and talk about a fucking brilliant movie from nineteen seventy three and and talk with my mates and enjoy it all over again and and 
tell Scott that it's actually a 10 out of 10 film. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah well, no, it's a 10 out of 10 all day, every day. Our 10th anniversary celebrations are going to continue throughout the year past the June the 21st birthday itself. Yeah. And we have decided to get together again in November, but I want to do something before if we can, mate. Yeah. Because shall we say a little bit of a dispute arose over a certain movie that Smokey and I absolutely adore, top five pretty much for both of us. Yep. We reviewed it, I think, in our first November 10 years ago. And it was JFK, Oliver Stone's JFK. And, yep. and Smokey and I being so blinkered as to, you know, we love this movie, we can't see any problem with this at all. Didn't realise that some of our closest friends mm. have no fucking idea what a great movie well, is. Well, they, they were our closest friends. I'm, I'm yeah. <laughs> so we're going to have this massive round table debate on, on JFK uh-huh. about the 60th anniversary of the assassination. Actually, it'll be November. So That's true. Look, looking forward to celebrating that. Mm. Yes. <laughs> mm. That'll be a shot in the dark. But between that, we, we've got <laughs> Back and to the left. And I was going to say that came out of left field. <laughs> <laughs> We've got our big sinking pause 10th anniversary quiz coming up. But Smokey, between the quiz and JFK, if you would like to review yet another one of the movies that we have reviewed previously over the last 10 years, it may be Harvey. I've got a stinking suspicion. A stinking suspicion? Stinking suspicion. A sneaky oh, one. That, that's on brand. <laughs> Um, okay. The table is, is open there to. If, to if you want to talk about Harvey again, my friend, I'm more. You know, than your to choice. Is Harvey the one with the rabbit? No, yeah. it's not. It doesn't exist. Steady. Let's take a break because it's tradition when Smokey's here that we come up with some sort of quiz, and I've got an idea. Oh, oh God. We need to have a drink. We need to have a wee. We'll be back after this.
was The Sting from 1973. Smokey and Ben, what we're going to do... Smokey, you know... Don't just say Smokey and Ben, didn't I? Because you've yeah, just yeah, mentioned yeah. Ben off there. Can you be Ben now for the next 20 minutes? <laughs> yeah, whatever you like, Scott. We'll make it a lot easier. Can you, can you, do, can you do a Borough accent? Can you, <laughs> no. Uh, I, I wouldn't go more reach. All right. All right, Ben. No. <laughs> Smokey and Paul. Hello, hello. spent the whole fucking day with you. Um, <laughs> this is very off the cuff, as is apparent. Um, what we've decided to do is a very sort of impromptu quiz. Now, bearing in mind the Sting was released in 1973, I've just found a quiz book that has got a couple of rounds on 70s films, which oh, I think God. will tie in quite nicely. There is 30 questions of easy calibre. 30 questions of hard. <laughs> he had to do that. Yeah. I won't get the easy, let alone yards. So, <laughs> you know, you've never that's what she said. Yeah. So, let's start with 30 questions. We're going to alternate, and as Smokey's our guest, I will suggest Smokey answers the first question. Go for it. Um, are you happy with a point for each and throw it over to the opponent for a bonus point if you get it wrong? Or Why you? not? Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to get any, so... Um, you know that. <laughs> yeah, the only the only good thing going in my favour is I was alive in the 70s and That's Smokey true. wasn't. <laughs> no, I was not. Okay. I was a glint in the milkman's eye. Smoky. My dad's going to fucking love that when he yeah, is. Luckily, your father does not listen to this podcast. He listens Paul, to whatever show I'm on, mate. Well, yeah. um, Paul's mum stopped listening months ago, years she, ago. She, yeah. she never listened never to this Never listened, listened to yours, not mine. She, she, she loves my 60s stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. She uh, loves your sexy part. Yes, that, that as well. Yeah. <laughs> Films. Question number one. Smokey, which pink character appeared in three top films of the 1970s? What? It's got to be the Pink Panther. It, it, these are easy. This is what I'm saying. Thanks fuck for that. Don't, don't <laughs> like overthink. Do not overthink. <laughs> Paul, which 1977 film was re-released 20 years later? It's one of two. <laughs> I can't think what was the year. Um, Greece. Was it Star Wars? Smokey. <laughs> Shit. It's Star Wars. Star Wars. <laughs> Smokey, which film was described as Shark Stew no. for the Stupefied? So it's a 70s film? Yep. Don't overthink it. This is what I'm going to say. Shark um, Stew. Oh, I thought you said sharp. Oh, oh. sorry, shark stew. Oh, stew. right. Oh, well, Jaws? Uh, uh, it is the right answer. <laughs> I was like, it can't be that easy. <laughs> Paul, you just mentioned this just a second ago. In which decade does the action of Greece take place? Did I? Ooh, oh, I mentioned Greece. Yeah. It was in the 50s. It's in the 50s for a point. Smokey, which 1972 movie detailed the career of the Corleone family? Mm. Godfather. Godfather for a point. Paul, 
in which film did Clark Kent combat the Spider Lady? What did the Spider Lady? Superman? Yeah, I don't remember. The, do you remember the Spider Lady in Superman? I honestly don't. Legs up to here. <laughs> Eight of them. <laughs> Lucky bastard. I remember Zod. Oh. Yeah, we get you get the point. You, you, I might give you two points for getting it from that fucking stupid question. Ah, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Smokey. Which Stephen directed Close Encounters of the Third Kind? <laughs> I, I said they were easy. I said they were easy. <laughs> now I'm loving this before the difficult ones. Yeah, I've looked at those difficult ones as well. Uh, Paul, in which gangster city does the action of the Sting take place? Chicago. <laughs> My kind of town. Okay. Smokey, which brothers wrote most of the songs for Saturday Night Fever? Oh, the Bee Gees. The Gibbs, yeah. Oh, the Gibbs, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Paul, which 77 movie had a frog as one of its main stars? Say what? Which 1977 (laughs) movie had a frog as one of its main stars? Mentioned it earlier. Did we? Briefly. Is it The Muppets? It is The Muppet movie, yeah. (laughs) Of course. Smokey, which was the first rice... which was the first Rice slash Lloyd Webber musical made into a film? Oh, my weakness of musicals. Yes. Seven uh, points. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to have to guess. Um, Cats? Cats is not the right answer. So, Paul, which Jesus Christ Superstar? is the right answer? Oh, Paul, your question. Which Barbara starred in A Star is Born? Streisand. Streisand. Funny girl. (laughs) I've heard she's a bit snooty. I I remember my mum going into the hairdressers in the 70s and she sat down in the chair and she said to the hairdresser, she said, I want you to make me look like Barbara Streisand. So he smashed her over the nose with the airbrush. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love how you took my premise of a joke and just went <laughs> <laughs> uh, focus, this Sorry, you, yeah. <laughs> Which film was based on The Tower and The Glass Inferno? Oh dear. <laughs> that, it? The Towering Inferno. Take one from one part of the question. Paul. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Which disaster movie was described as Grand Hotel in the Sky? It's not the same one. Well, I no. thought we might have been for a second. That's what I thought. <laughs> Grand Hotel in the Sky. In the Sky. Star Wars. <laughs> disaster movie. No idea. Smokey, any ideas? Think in the sky. Literally. Yeah, in yeah. The sky. Um. Shit. Uh. I, I don't fucking know. Uh. Moonraker wasn't a fucking. Movie. <laughs> I like that as an answer. Well, uh, I, I don't know, mate. Airport. Oh, 
Oh, no. Oh, I, I thought you were talking planet. Oh, yeah, no, no, literally in the sky. Damn it. Yeah, that would make sense. Smokey, your question. In which Californian city did earthquake take place? In which what, sorry? In which Californian city did earthquake take place? Uh, uh, LA. LA is the right answer. Oh, I'd have gone for San Fran. Paul, which gorilla was the star of a 1976 remake of a 30s classic? Oh, King Kong. Smokey, who played James Bond in Moonraker? <laughs> 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 uh, Roger Moore. Roger Moore. Yes. <laughs> Paul, <laughs> <laughs> Paul, which 1970 war film led to a long-running TV spin-off with Alan Alder. Mash. Mash is the right answer. Suicide is painless. It is, apparently. Such a oh. depressing fucking song. <laughs> <laughs> Smokey, which Steve starred in Papillon? Oh, oh McQueen. McQueen. <laughs> I'm sure we mentioned him earlier as well. And and never ever watch the remake. It's terrible. No, no, I, no intention of. I love Papillon. Is it called Moth? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. I know. Are you looking at? That was really good. <laughs> <laughs> Paul. <laughs> Which 1975 Jack Nicholson film takes place in a mental hospital? One flew over the cuckoo's nest. He did indeed. God, Charlie think... would have been so pissed off if you got yeah. that wrong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh. Sorry about this one. Which boxer did Sylvester Stallone create on the big screen? <laughs> Rocky Balboa. Indeed. Paul, which disaster... Another disaster movie. There's a lot of disaster movies it in the was 70s. the era, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Paul. Which yeah, disaster true. movie tells of a capsized luxury liner? Side, Poseidon Adventure, okay. or whatever it's called. It was yeah. indeed. Yep. Smokey, which Annie was an Oscar winner for Woody Allen? Oh, oh Annie Hall. Annie Hall. Paul, which future British MP won an Oscar for Women in Love in 1970. Glenda Jackson. Glenda Jackson. Nice. I, st- I still say her fight, her kung fu fight with... Her uh, what? In the, the movie uh, Foul Play, her kung fu oh fight <laughs> with... Um, uh, what's his name? Who played uh, the penguin I'm in Batman. Cool. Oh, Danny DeVito. No, uh, in 66, Batman. Oh, no, Burgess Meredith. Burgess Meredith, she has a kung fu fight with him in Foul Play. It's one of the greatest <laughs> fight scenes ever put on film. It's wonderful. He was her, in Rocky, too. Her finest moment was in Morecambe and Wise playing um, Cleopatra. Mm. And, and, and Eric Morecambe walks in and she says, do you have the scrolls? <laughs> and he says, no. Just, just the way my trousers hang. Me? This is you, sir. Who doesn't live here anymore in the 1974 movie? What? Who doesn't live here anymore in I the 1974 movie? I know. 
think it was Scorsese smokes. Just, just live on the second floor. Luca, isn't it? Lives no. upstairs from you. Isn't no. it? <laughs> Someone doesn't live here anymore. Well, that's Cliff Richard, isn't it? That's Carrie. Carrie. doesn't live here. That's a good answer, actually. Yeah, the answer was Marcus. That would be brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I'll throw it over to Smokey. I think it's Alice. It is Alice doesn't live Who here the fuck anymore. Who the fuck is Alice? <laughs> Smokey, which Liza Minnelli Oscar winning film was set in pre war Germany? Oh. Um. Ch- charade? Oh. Paul's whispered it to me. Cabaret. Cabaret. Oh. Oh. Oh, Charade was Cary Grant and all the Standard Dolan movie, wasn't it? Paul. Yes. Which Mr. Moore starred opposite Bo Derrick in 10? Dudley. 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 I remember watching that film many times furiously. Furiously. I wonder why. As a teenager, when that was on ITV. Uh huh. Smoking. Him with his telescope. Is that you? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> Smoking. Which Asian war was the deer hunter about? Uh, oh, the Vietnam War. It has to be the Vietnam War. Paul, where was the fiddler in the 1971 film? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, on the roof. Kiddie fiddler on the roof, yes. <laughs> <laughs> being investigated by you tree <laughs> working for the BBC yeah <laughs> Radio 1 loving this quiz <laughs> Smokey <laughs> what was the profession of hero Doyle in the French Connection uh, policeman. Yeah, there's a very strange way of wording that question, I think. No, that's <laughs> I mean, he was he was a cop, though. Yeah, he's a police, yeah, police officer, I'm sure. Cop, yeah. he says here. Cop. <laughs> okay, at the end of the easy round... Oh, God. Uh, Smokey has 15, Paul has 14. Wow. Oh. <laughs> I think it's going to remain like that after the difficult yeah not going to be much change (laughs) nope okay according to this quiz book this is the hard round oh god so I'm assuming Paul you must take this first question Smokey took the last yeah if I have to okay so 70s movies (laughs) what was Sting's debut movie Quadrophenia for a point. Get in. Well done. Smoking. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> We've drawn level. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Smokey, what was Justin Henry's sermon in a 70s Oscar? <laughs> Justin Henry is the actor. I'll give you that. Yeah. Well, well, yeah no, I I'll see, uh, I'll see how this goes, and then I'll give another clue right at the very end after you both had a go, if not. What was Justin what Henry's surname in a 70s Oscar winner? That's That's got to be a clue. Um, 
Oh, um... No, I don't know, unfortunately. Okay, Paul? Horse. Oh, was it a man called Horse? Yeah. That's a, that's a very good answer. <laughs> but wrong. <laughs> the surname appears in the title. Mm. Twice. I won't give you points, but I'll see if you get it from that. Nah. I'm saying this, I've got to check. I've got it, uh, yes, I have got the right film. Yeah. No, that's not right. Um, Kramer. He's the right answer. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I won't give you the point, mate. But yeah. Oh, come on! Can I? No. I broke my no, brain! No, Chris Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Fair news. Oh, I would have given it to you, either. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, your question... Me. Oh, in which film does Railway Man Cleveland Little become sheriff? Oh, huh? Magnificent Seven. That was a clue. Oh, huh? that was a clue. Oh, oh shit! I've got it. I've so got it. Smoky. It was blazing saddles. I just knew it. That's why I gave the clue. I knew. I didn't need the clue. I knew that. No, one. you didn't. Exactly. That's why I knew I got away. <laughs> Smoky. Yeah. That entertainment was a compilation of clips from which studio? Fuck's sake! Why do I get all the musical ones? Mm-hmm. Um. Oh, I could be. I I think that's MGM. It's the right answer. <laughs> I, I just whispered that to him as well. <laughs> oh, right. Cast your mind back. There was a movie version of All Creatures Great and Small before the TV series. <laughs> Simon Ward. <laughs> Played James Herriot. Oh. Who played Siegfried Farman? I said these were tough. Fred the Donkey. Fred the Donkey is not the answer I have here. <laughs> I have no idea. Peter Cushing. I'll give you a clue. That is wrong, but you are right on the lines that it is um, an actor that has an iconic horror role that he won an Oscar for, actually. Hmm. Bearing in mind, not many films have won Oscars. Horror movies have won Oscars, sorry. Anthony Hopkins. That's the right answer. Anthony Hopkins played Siegfried Farnham in the original... I'm doing really well at getting points (laughs) for points. Just a little bit more information. These are very sort of vague, (laughs) these questions. Smokey. Again. Which music plays in the background... No, it's not a musical, but which oh. music plays in the background in 10? Oh, um... Wah, wah, oh, yes! Wah, yeah, of course wah, it is. Wah, wah, it's, um... When you're caught between the moon in New York City. No, that's, uh... Oh, Arthur. Dudley Moore on the right lines with Dudley Moore. Uh, then I'd give up. Now I've seen B- the answer. Bolero. It is Ravel's Bolero. Uh, Why yeah. did I know that? Because you're gay. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, I'm just confused as to why I knew that. Um, <laughs> well, if you are gay, you are confused. You are confused. <laughs> well, Torval and Dean. Torval and Dean. Okay, smarty pants. 
This is the greatest quiz ever. <laughs> <laughs> what was Alan Parker's first feature film? Charlie Adonis. Charlie Adonis. <laughs> Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. No, no. Oh, I got it wrong. Okay. Smokey. I've got a film in my head, but I think it's the 80s. Oh, shit. I think that's what I did. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, oh, no. No, that's not wrong. That's wrong. No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to go with my first thought, even though I think it's wrong, is Mississippi Burning. See, I was going to say Midnight Express. Hmm. It's a fucking musical. It's Bugsy Malone. Oh, wow, I was a kid. Yes. Well, the director, he was the director. Oh, as a kid. As a kid. <laughs> 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 um, Paul? No, Smokey. I got it wrong. Huh? Okay. First. Yes, Smokey. <laughs> Who starred in and produced The China Syndrome? 70s movies, as we say, went on to become a oh, massive star in the 80s. I know this. It's uh, Michael Douglas. It's Michael Douglas, yeah. Jane Fonda, I think, and... Uh, Jack Lemon. Jack Lemon, yeah. Great movie. Paul, what was Tom Selleck's first film in 1970? Wow. Smokey, Smokey may know this. I'm checking the answer out now, because I think I do. It's not what I'm thinking either again. <laughs> Not run, run away. No. He did. He did appear in a film called Runaway. Didn't yeah, he? yeah, yeah. Well, it's like the earliest film I can yeah. remember him in. No. Okay. Any idea, Smokey? <coughs> there is something in the back of my grey matter that I do know this. Mm. It's all it, one of those things, you know. Like he, he was offered Indiana Jones and he couldn't do it. Yeah, we're going 70s. It says actually been 70 itself, it says here. And I want oh, to check this uh, out. Was it cult? Hang on. Say the, uh, <laughs> sorry, mate. Say the question again. Yeah. What was Tom Selleck's first film in 1970? <sighs> I'm checking this out because I'm just a little bit unsure about this. No, I'm going to have to give up on that one. Okay. The only reason I thought you'd know it, because something in the back of my mind said he was a corpse in the film Coma. But that was later in the 70s, mm. and it's not him. According to this, it's um, Myra Breckenridge, which is the one with ah. um, Raquel Welsh and Mae West. Sure. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Who, was, who was the corpse in Coma that went on to become a famous actor? There's that... I've got to look this up. I've got to look this up. <laughs> okay. Paul. No. Smokey. <laughs> Smokey, who played Winston's father in Young Winston? Oh, damn it. It's the Amber movie. Um. Oh, I'll go with that. Um. Yeah, Richard. Richard Attenborough. Richard Ambra? No. Damn it. John Mills. I would have gone with like John Mills, Richard Ambra, Gilgood, and Robert Shaw. Oh wow. Oh. <laughs> I've 
got his bloody ear in the shelf next to me. I, but I, that's cheating <laughs> if I look, so... <laughs> Damn it. I'm not Kev Moore. I want to admit. <laughs> Kevin Moore, the podcast whore. Yeah. <laughs> it right. rhymes and everything. <laughs> Who was the disembodied voice that narrated Agatha Christie's And Then There Were None? No idea. I won't even bother. Think of a big narrating voice of the 70s. Gilgood is the wrong answer. It's the narrator of Then There Were None. Don't give him clues. I just read the question. That's just the question. <laughs> That's not a clue. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't say male or female, does it? Um, it's a disembodied voice narrating Agatha Christie's And Then There Were None. I'm just going to go with one of the most famous disembodied voices ever and go Richard Burton. Which was what I would have gone for. Awesome Wells. Ah. Um, um, same to 11 yep. star of Transformers the movie <laughs> 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 Damn. Who, who's next him Smokey who wrote the music <laughs> for Star sorry that again sorry oh, I was too busy laughing <laughs> <laughs> who wrote the music for Shaft Sh- oh Isaac Hayes Isaac Hayes chocolate salty balls he was yeah. chocolate salty balls yes Paul who was the landlord of Tem Rillington Place? Absolutely no idea. It's asking for the know. character's name, but I'll accept the actor. I was, I can give you the actor's name. Yeah. That was Richard Attenborough. He is Richard Attenborough. John Christie, the, the murderer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I was thinking Nielsen for some reason. Have you ever seen Tem Rillington Place? It's, no. It's wonderful. Great film. Great film. Brutal, but good. Yeah, absolutely. Smokey, who sang the title song? In Dennis the... Waterman. Write <laughs> <laughs> the thing to sing the theme to. It's this question. I don't know why I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> Who sang the title song in the Aristocats? Oh dear. Oh, um. Mm-hmm. Uh, I uh, know this one. Was that 70s? Was that. Blimey. Um, was it Billy Joel? No, you're thinking of Oliver and Co. Oh! oh. I was thinking we were going after the character. That's Thomas O'Malley. Damn it. It, it. No, it wasn't Thomas O'Malley. Oh, was it? No. Not? No, Thomas O'Malley was Phil Harris. He played Baloo in Jungle. Yeah. The title song, Maurice Chevalier. Yeah. Pepe Le Pew was based on Maurice Chevalier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. now been cancelled. Go go figure. Yeah, it's supposed to be sexist and, like, rapists and whatever, isn't it? For the trailer of which Hitchcock film was the director seen floating on the Thames? Whoa. Well, it's not a Hitchcock film in the 70s. It's not the You'll kick yourself. I don't know. Okay. I can't think of one set in London. 
you will kick yourself. I'll pass this over to Smokey. The only one that instantly comes to mind is Frenzy. Is the right answer. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen that one. Didn't we review oh, it? No. No, oh. we'd, we'd done lots of Hitchcock, but not that one. Yeah, it, must, it, um... It's it's gone down a little bit in rated H history, but not that we reviewed it, but I was explaining it to Ben. Yeah. And I said, um, I said, there's a horrible, horrible scene where there's a half rape, half strangulation, and Ben coined the the term that has lived with us since then called a rapulation. So, <laughs> <laughs> and, when, and when you bring in the elements of the potatoes that were on the van as well. Yeah. I tell you what, let's, let, let's do this right here, right now. You two come on to Radiation Review Frenzy with us. Yes, please. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I like a Hitchcock film. <laughs> this year, you two are coming on to Radiation Review Frenzy. Oh, please. Yeah. Paul, Paul will love it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's got his name written all over it. <laughs> <laughs> Rapulation Ball. <laughs> Hashtag great movie. We're bringing it back this summer. <laughs> <laughs> this is what they want. This is the stuff. Okay. Whose who's question is it, for God's sake? His, I think. His, him, over there. Yeah. The cat's mother. It's mine. Stacy Keach starred in Fat City after mm. Who turned it down. Oh, blimey. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, I have no idea. Uh, 70s, uh, Burt Reynolds. Good answer. Yeah, good answer. No, but. So, um, Stacy Keach done a lot of Philip Marlowe stuff, didn't he? In TV. Well, he was, and he was Mike Hammer, wasn't he? Yeah. In TV in the 80s. So, uh, Al Capone. Al Capone would turn, yeah, turn he's not, not Al Capone, Al Pacino. <laughs> no, Al Capone was busy in prison. <laughs> a little bit dead by then as well, yeah. Yeah, his brain had been eaten by syphilis by then. <laughs> well, it wasn't Al Pacino or even Al Capone. <laughs> uh, it's Marlon Brando. I was close. Oh, wow. I think it was about the same year as Godfather. You I think it was 72. So. Okay. Who did? Him did. Al Capone played Al Capone. <laughs> yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah. Um, it's me. Who directed yeah, Death Wish? Oh, Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson? No, you right, Charles Bronson is in it, but he didn't yeah, direct it. Yeah, I thought he might direct it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Smokey has a inkling here. Go, go on, my friend. Was it Michael Winner? It was Michael Winner. Yes. Mm. Calm down, dear. Calm down, dear. Yeah. East Jordan. Remember that? a commercial. Calm. Smokey. Oh, this isn't... I'm going to have to look this answer up. Who was the first director to cast Goldie Hawn in a non-comedy film? Oh. It was a mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Possibly not. It might might have been a porn film, and then it was a good (laughs) director. Russell words. Ron Jeremy. <laughs> oh. Huh? Um, all right, 70s. Uh, shit. Uh, 
I don't know. I'll, I'll guess the seventies director, uh, William Freakin. That's a good answer, but it's not the right one, unfortunately, mate. You want to take a guess? No, I don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Steven Spielberg, Sugarland Express. Oh, of course. Very, very early. That does Spielberg. sound like a porn movie, to be honest. <laughs> it does actually. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I read that train. and I was really disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the fairy honeypot adventure, isn't it? It's not. Yeah. It's supposed to be a kid's it's a whorehouse on a train, Sugarland Express. <laughs> <laughs> Paul. Yes. Who did Jane Fonda play in Julia? I'm guessing it wasn't Julia. And I have no idea who the other ones were. So, Sharon. Sharon. Huh? <laughs> it, it, it's not Sharon Smokey, as you can tell. So, would you Sharon, like it, wasn't, it wasn't Julia, either. <laughs> and it wasn't Julia, either. As a guess. I'm going to be really cheeky and say, did she play Julie? <sighs> no. <laughs> Lillian Hellman. Yeah. Okay. Named after the mayonnaise, uh, yeah. perhaps. We don't know. Yeah. So. Uh, the I, I the can make so many comments on that, but I'm not going to. No. Smokey. <laughs> why? <laughs> Smokey, why did Peter Finch not collect his Oscar? I thought that was the question. Why did Peter Finch? Why did Peter Flinch? <laughs> <laughs> Why oh, did Jeremy Irons? <laughs> <laughs> oh, answers on the postcard to the stinging paws at gmail.com. Why, um, why does Wesley Snipes? I don't know. <laughs> 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 Theresa May, thanks for the tip. So, um, why did Peter Finch not collect his Oscar for Network? Oh, he was dead. He was dead. It was a posthumous award, yes. <laughs> I was going to say he was on holiday. <laughs> very, very well, he kind of was. Yeah. yeah. Holiday in heaven. <laughs> Paul, Wasn't that a Phil Collins song? <laughs> <laughs> Paul, whose music... Whose music... Whose music... Did Malcolm McDowell like in a clockwork orange? Wow. Yeah, I can't quite Read see that. that. I can't quite yeah. see that. Well, it's not on there. It's, yeah, well, well, fuck it is. Well, the actual it is on the poster. Yeah. Is it? Nah. No, it's not David Bowie. It's a no. good guess, actually. Very good guess. Smokey? The poster says, the poster says, being the adventures of a young man whose principal interests are rape, ultraviolence and Beethoven. Beethoven. (laughs) It literally is right over my shoulder. (laughs) Immediately, I thought it was Gene Kelly because he does the singing in the rain thing. He does the singing in the rain, but no, but because he calls him Ludwig van, he never calls him Beethoven. Yeah. Yeah. Smokey, who was the only female Oscar winner for One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Uh, I remember the character's name. Um, that's right. Um, um, hang on. 
Louise Fletcher. Louise Fletcher is the right answer. Nice. Paul, who played the editor of the Washington Post in All the President's Men? No idea. I've got an idea that I've got it wrong. Okay. (laughs) Um... What's really annoying is I'm getting this confused with Perry White in Superman. And oh, easily done. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Jack uh, Cooper. Yeah. It, uh, it, it's not him, obviously. Um, <laughs> oh, boss. Something's. I'll I'll go current. I'll uh, with what we were talking about. Uh, Charles Durning. It's that era, mate. It's, it's Jason Robards. Ah, yeah. I've seen that in so long. I need to watch it again. Great movie. I've only ever watched it the once. Watched it too young. Need to watch it now again with like adult eyes, basically. Uh, uh, if you're gonna pair it like these days, mm-hmm. I watched. Uh, she said about the the Weinstein. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Great double bill, I think that would work. That'd be good, yeah. And the post as well from a few years. Oh, the post would work, yeah. 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 Smoky, which club features in Cabaret? I've never seen it. Um, which club? Um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I have no idea, unfortunately. I've never seen it, so... Okay. Oh. No. no. The Kit Kat Club. Oh, okay. Well, the, the Kit Kat Club uh, originated in London, so... Mm. Yeah, damn it. Okay, fair it is. Who played the brother in The Railway Children? No idea. I'm doing well at this. I said these were tough. These are yeah. tough, though. These are. Everyone obviously remembers the daughter, because it was Jenny Agatha. Um, and um, the one out of Man About the House as well, wasn't it? Yeah. No, unfortunately. Sorry. It's Gary Warren, who I think was also in Catwoman. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. Okay. Smokey, who was made Marion opposite Sean Connery in Robin and Marion? I want to say Audrey Hepburn. Say Audrey Hepburn, Smokey. Audrey Hepburn. Is the right answer. <laughs> Paul. What was the first film in which Julie Christie and Warren Beatty starred together? Heaven Can Wait. Good answer. <laughs> but not right. And I think that was possibly 80s. It's it? 78. I think oh. you're right. Well, Deca, I'm sure it was 78. At least I got a, 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 a Beatty film. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> played, Any idea, Smokey? He's, he's a... Look, he's got... This is a very lovely seat I'll have you know. No, uh, <laughs> I, I I can see the poster in my head and I can't get the film. No, I'm grafted. I c I can't I can't go and get it. Okay. It was McCabe and Mrs. Miller the Western. Robert oh. Alden. Was it Robert Alden? I think, yeah. Okay, Smokey, what was Peter Ustinov's first film as Hercule Poirot? Adam will be screaming at this point. <laughs> yeah, well, they'll, it'll, it'll learn one day that Kenneth Branagh is the best Poirot ever. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, um, I don't know. Uh, 
Death on the Nile? It is Death on the Nile, is the right Oh, 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 oh. I like that one out my ass. And that sounds wrong, but you know what I mean. (laughs) Okay, after Smokey plucking Pete Houston off from his ass. (laughs) Oh, what was the sequel to Love Story? Now, is it going to be something like Love Story 2? Or is it going to be... Yeah, Love Story 2. No. Smokey, any ideas, mate? Is it a film we've already mentioned tonight? No. Ah, what, what were you thinking? I was thinking it was along the lines of Ten or Arthur that they uh, were... No, 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 not a Blake. Uh, no. Okay. okay. Uh, then, I don't know. Uh, oh, sorry. Um, what's the... What's the Inverse. Um, death movie. Death movie. That's what it is. Death movie two. Yeah. Yeah. It was Oliver's story. Oh shit. Fuck. And the final question, Smokey. Yeah, because it's so close, Smokey. (laughs) You need to get this to win. Which film of a Frederick Forsyth novel starred John Voight? The father of Angelina Jodie. Mm. Jodie, yeah. Oh, yeah, I knew that one. <laughs> the only one that's coming to my mind right now is Deliverance, but I, I know that's wrong. So I'm going to have to go with that, I'm afraid. Okay, mate. No, it's not Deliverance. Yeah, no. It's the Odessa file. Heard of it. So at the end of that very long round of questions... I've scored two on that round. (laughs) Paul, in total, mate, you scored 16. Smokey, 27. Whoa! Congratulations, my friend. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Preview time. When it comes to entertainment, you can't beat a good film. So let's take a look at what's coming your way. Let's wrap this up, Smokey. Before we go, can you please tell the listeners all about Rated H and House of Hammer and, and where they can find you if they really wanted to listen to you, really, if they really wanted to listen to you. They'd have to be desperate, exactly. wouldn't they? Yeah, uh, they really... I'm, 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 more than, I'm more than happy to. It was that as soon as you said, can you say, and then Paul's head landed in his hand, oh, and I was yeah. just it's like he's heard this a million times he doesn't need yeah, to hear but it we want to hear it again just just all right just, we really just, just for us. can we just cut it off now no no no, no. no. just no, just for us. no really no, all on. right i'll run through it quickly i'll run through it quickly oh, all right <laughs> i have three podcasts rated h house of hammer and all the best lines 
Radio Nation with my lovely and your friend Ben and uh, House of Hammer with your friends and mine, Adam, occasionally, and uh, Ben and Kev, who do, do most of the work, and then um, all of their lines with Adam, occasionally. And, um, <laughs> yeah, so... Because you know he's he's a busy man. He's in Hollywood doing all that shit and sleeping in Amy Adams' house, which I'm going to kill him for. So um, yeah, no, you can find us all of those on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else. But I don't think that's important, so I'm not going to do it now. All I'm going to say is is that is that fair play to you, Scotland, um, and Paul uh, for for doing sticking pause for as long as you've done because it's it's a wonderful show and i absolutely adore it and i i love being on it in the early years and i've loved being on it still and doing 10 years of any show has to be applauded because we talked about it earlier you've got these knobhead celebrities who just go oh, i can do this i can do this and it's just like well they'll give up in a year because they don't do the hard work we do the hard work and sometimes hard work, believe it or not, is sitting and watching a movie and going, right, fucking hell, I need to talk about this. And it is actually difficult sometimes. And you guys have done it consistently for 10 years and it really, really needs applauding. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to pimp my own show. And I, I, I appreciate the offer, but eh, it's fine. <laughs> but um, no, no, it's it's been an absolute honor to do become friends with you guys over the last 10 years uh count you as my friends when when you came to my town and we got absolutely fucking hammered together <laughs> it didn't feel like the first time we probably met or met up or get got drunk together it was just natural and normal and easy and then the several times we've met up in between sort of that's been kind of cool as well and it's just it's just lovely and we'll go back to the beginning of the show who doesn't want to get drunk and talk with your mates about films? <laughs> it's fucking awesome. So fuck my shows. Focus on stinking pools. Because <laughs> it's a great show. And uh, and I love listening to it. And um, yeah, thank you for having me on again. And I will be back uh, several times during the year. Because I'm going to fucking call in while you're recording. So. <laughs> the, the door is open. No, thank you very much, Scott. Always, mate. Thank you so much for those kind words. Thank you. My pleasure. I'm echo those sentiments, mate. Thank you for being a friend over the last 10 years. Um, it's, it's, it's just made it a bit special, hasn't it, mate? Having the fact that we're not doing this alone and we've got people out there that have been doing this same length of time. And... Even if it is smoking. Well, yeah. But... <laughs> nearly made me That was so close you know to a spit take. <laughs> Do you know what? This is the first of the birthday specials. We've got some better ones coming up. You know uh, yeah. that. Yeah, you got to start low, haven't you? <laughs> fucking arse <laughs> but you know I mean it's all going to come back to bite you on the ass because you're going to come on rated H and I'm going to edit yeah. that one so he's fucking it's going to be like this is a bad film <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh good you don't know what you're talking about okay right oh. <laughs> Smoking no, no, absolutely. We love you so much. We will see you, you very, too, very soon. This has been the stinking pause. I've been Scott. He's been Paul. He's been Smoky. Plenty yeah. more birthday celebrations to come between now and June, and even after June, for God's sake. 
Take care, everybody. We'll see you all soon. Bye. Take care, everyone. The management of this theater suggests that for the greater entertainment of your friends who have not yet seen the picture, you will not divulge to anyone the secret of the ending. You dudes get lost now, you hear? Good night, ladies. Good night, sir. When you fail down, try positive thinking. That's what I told the man said. Don't wear a frown. Try positive thinking. Laugh at your troubles instead. You've got to look on the bright side. On hope so much depends. With your confidence sinking, positive thinking Helps you on the way, my friend When things look black, try positive thinking Treat every season as spring, no glancing back Try positive thinking, trust what tomorrow may bring This crazy world that we live in Will keep on spinning round But with good Positive thinking, we'll get together and life won't let us down. Shut up, you ugly bitch. Oh, shut up, we enjoy it.